Chapter Twenty Two of Stephen Mitchell's Journey by Pansy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twenty Two: A New Engineer. Yes, the room had undergone a transformation. It was one of those old-fashioned, long, low rooms which are capable of being made so pleasant. There was an alcove at the further end formed by some repairs made long ago when a hall room containing one window had been let into the room if this parlor were to be made into a sleeping room the natural place for the bed was in that corner and there it had been set at least the minister learned afterward that such was the case no suggestion of the kind presented itself to him that afternoon there were heavy curtains hung before the alcove shutting it out entirely and making the room cosier thereby there was a fireplace in which at this moment burned a great pine knot that threw a ruddy glow over every sombre thing there was a large table wheeled into the centre of the room which had about it that air if one may coin a phrase of systematic disorder which betokens constant and intelligent use of books and papers, pens and paperweights, and all the various belongings of a well-furnished study table. There was a bookcase occupying a niche near the south window, and behind its glass doors the book-loving eyes of the minister caught the names of treasures. The very common ingrain carpet, dulled by age and worn threadbare in spots, was almost covered from sight by rich rugs, which lay in soft luxuriance at either side of the study table, in front of the bookcase, in front of the fireplace, everywhere indeed that an excuse could be found for laying a rug. There was an old-fashioned lounge, or settee, as it used to be called, which had been in the Mitchell family for generations, but it had been completely transformed simply by having a brilliant afghan, long and wide and soft, thrown over it, and sofa pillows piled high at one end ready for use. Two or three straight-backed, high, uncomfortable chairs still lingered in obscure corners of the room, ready for emergencies, but a study chair, of peculiar shape and design, a couple of low rockers, and a wide-seated armchair, occupied the comfortable spaces. To complete the picture of a home, instead of being merely a room, there was a tiny table with a chair of like dimensions set beside it, and near the chair a dolly's crib, on which reposed at the moment the great, fair-faced dolly herself. A little row of shelves occupied the corner, filled with all sorts of treasures dear to a child's heart. There were vases on the old-fashioned mantel, and potted plants in the window, filling the room at that moment with bloom and fragrance in short the specklessly clean but very dreary room which mr ransom remembered and which he was always sorry to be ushered into preferring the kitchen by far had become instinct with beauty and comfort and the lady who motioned him to the high-backed chair and dropped herself into the low rocker seemed to fit her surroundings extremely well the very first sentence she spoke was decidedly unconventional mr ransom do you know i believe flora ann has become a christian there was not the slightest bit of affectation in her tone not a hint that she understood herself to be saying anything out of the ordinary course of conversation with a stranger 
Instead, there was a quiet assuming of the fact that he was interested in Flora Ann, as a matter of course. Having given his life to the work of soul-saving, he was to be recognized as interested in that theme above all others. In fact, the tone was so natural, and the statement so surprising and interesting, that Mr. Ransom forgot conventionality, forgot that he did not quite approve of the lady who was talking to him, forgot the lady herself indeed, and thought only of Flora Ann. "'Is it possible?' he said, with eager voice and hearty sympathy. "'I did not know the poor girl understood what such a term meant.' I am not sure that she does. Is there not such a thing as being a Christian without knowing it? Does not the mysterious change come sometimes to ignorant hearts who do not recognize its name? This girl is very ignorant. I have never met one who was more so. She has no recognition of Christ as a personal Savior, so far as I understand her. But she has heard of him as a Savior, and she trusts him and prays to him daily, hourly. Not for herself, you understand. She seems not to have thought of herself at all, but for her miserable brother. Jake? inquired Mr. Ransom, his mind going at once to the reports which Helen had brought him concerning the horrors of the Lucas home when Jake was present. Yes, Jake. Humanly speaking, the most hopeless of all that family. The poor girl seems to have grasped the fact that the Lord Jesus Christ is able to save even him, and for this she cries to him constantly. "'This is very strange,' said Mr. Ransom, "'and very touching. How did she get this much knowledge, Mrs.' And then he paused, remembering for the first time that he had never been introduced to this lady. "'Mrs. Colchester,' she said simply, "'I beg your pardon.' I took it for granted that you knew my name, because you were Helen's brother. I did know it, he said humbly, ashamed of conventionality before this bright-faced, earnest woman, who had a subject of so great importance to talk about. She did not wait to be led back to it, but answered his question promptly. That part of it is very strange to me, too. What information she has secured seems to have come to her through Stephen. Stephen? I did not think he possessed enough knowledge to impart any. You do not think he has found the way? Not for himself, but he has pointed it out to another. I think he knows the way, Mr. Ransom, but does not choose to walk therein, like so many of his brothers and sisters. But Flora Ann is different." She is simply, sublimely unselfish. Hearing of Jesus Christ and his power to save, her faith has sprung entirely past herself, and laid hold upon him for her brother. I wanted you to know about it, she added simply, because the poor girl ought to be helped, ought to be instructed, and it is such a peculiar case. She is so entirely ignorant, and yet so intensely in earnest, that I have not known how to teach her, have not dared to touch it, indeed. And Sarah feels much the same. Sarah is a very lovely Christian, Mr. Ransom, but a beginner, you know, and therefore, well, I am not a beginner. I have been personally acquainted with Jesus for a great many years, 
but i confess i do not know what to say to this young girl and besides mr ransom there are others not only that entire lucas family but other families not far away from us who need help so very much could we not have a meeting a regular evening service here until we get hold of the people and induce them to take the trouble to go to church indeed some of them are too far away and too feeble or too poor to make church practicable just now but could we not have a service are you too busy to undertake it not at all he said with the enthusiasm of one who was ready to meet any effort halfway i have wanted to undertake it one difficulty has been to find a place helen and i have talked it over and suggested and abandoned several plans already mrs colchester glanced about her pretty room could we not have them here mr ransom wouldn't that do for a time or perhaps in the dining-room that is a large room a real old-fashioned farmhouse room very cheery and comfortable i am sure mr and mrs mitchell would gladly lend it for an evening service and sarah and i could trim it with evergreens and make it bright and inviting then my piano is on its way if it could be moved into that wide old hall once a week i could lead the music oh i hope something of the sort is feasible i am sure it is said the minister heartily you are making it so then there was a sound of flying feet on the stairs and sarah jane came in her face flushed with haste and excitement i was hurrying down to introduce you she said looking from her boarder to her guest but i guess you don't need it no said mr ransom smiling i think we are introduced then he stepped aside for helen to greet her friend as she greeted no other woman he looked on with curious interest while the two women so nearly of an age so unlike in all other respects exchanged greetings how fond they were of each other he had known that for years but it had never seemed entirely reasonable until that moment she is very different from other people he told himself as he watched the two this missionary woman as he had called her not taking the trouble to remember her name had known the neighborhood but a few days yet she said we and us and our like one who had adopted the people and meant to center her interests and her influence among them he had known her but a few moments yet they had carried on a conversation about the most important concern that belongs to humankind with the manner of those who were friends as a matter of course and one in sympathy well were they not had she not evidently the interests of the master at heart and was not his work in the world the same as hers it would be foolish not to enjoy such a woman not to meet her frankly on her own ground and take freely and gratefully the help she was so freely offering certainly work ought to be begun in that neighborhood if there were none but the lucas and mitchell families were they not worth reaching after he ought to be ashamed of himself for having been so slow he would take hold of the matter now with vigor he dimly realized that a certain amount of vigor was being breathed into him by the atmosphere which surrounded him 
he would show mrs colchester that her confidence was not misplaced that he was as deeply interested in this work as she had thought him to be nay he said to himself with humility i will prove to the lord jesus christ by my life that i am interested in souls above all things else that i am ready to work anywhere with anybody to take the lead or be led as he shall direct i thought i was roused some weeks ago but i am afraid there are portions of the work that i have been shirking if i know my own heart i mean utter self-surrender now and personal fancies or distastes shall have nothing to do with it there is power enough in jesus christ to save even jake lucas though i have not been able to realize it before thoughts somewhat like these surged rapidly through his mind but there was all the while an undertone of consciousness that it would not be disagreeable to work in this portion of the vineyard they had intended to make a call of reasonable length and to have time to call at the bascoms on their way home but as a matter of fact they spent the afternoon stayed to tea indeed and sarah jane in a flutter of excited delight served them in her best style had her table set in napery of the whitest and ironed until it shone had a vase which mrs colchester had given her crowned with a single flower that helen had brought her in the centre of the table had gems of pure puffiness which she had learned to make while at the manse had strawberries of her mother's own canning and mrs mitchell knew how to can strawberries had new-laid eggs poached as even the minister rarely had opportunity to see them for there were some things sarah jane did well because she had what her mother called knack in short i suppose there was rarely a tea-table enjoyed as much as that one at the mitchell farmhouse stephen who had expected to be embarrassed before mrs colchester and who had but half liked the scheme at any time had forgotten to be afraid of her after the first day and was learning to handle even his napkin with ease and a certain degree of satisfaction as for little nina about whom i see i have said nothing at all she was simply the sweetest most winsome child of eight that ever made sunshine in a home she had centred herself with one bound in mr mitchell's heart called him grandpa and bestowed all the pretty little attentions and courtesies upon him which a child of eight can give to a man who looks as though he were nearly seventy though in point of fact mr mitchell was not so old by years as he looked but he had lived too hard and fast in his youth to have a genial or appropriate middle age truth to tell mr mitchell had dreaded the invasion into his home as no other member of the family had done it might have been hard for stephen but it was martyrdom for his father yet he had surrendered his heart to nina and already began to feel as though the house would be a desolate place without her flora ann who sat at the table with the rest according to the customs of the locality kept herself in absolute quiet but with eyes alert for anything that might be wanted of her and at the same time with ears attent for anything which might be said that could help her in the consuming desire of her heart 
for a feeling which was almost a passion had taken hold of her in regard to her brother he was daily becoming more of a terror in his home and her prayers were daily becoming more intense and importunate mr ransom noticed the watchful eyes of the girl and remembering what mrs colchester had said shaped some of his conversation with a view to encouraging the desire of her heart mr mitchell he said do you know the man they call old roger he lives about a mile from town a shoemaker by trade oh yes said mr mitchell i know old roger smithson his name is though you don't often hear the last name he used to work for the harding brothers until they discharged him since that time he hasn't done much but drink and swear he is a hard old case that describes the character he has earned and he has sustained it well for the last five or six years they tell me but the description won't answer any longer sir old roger is made over people will be calling him mr smithson soon is that so exclaimed mr mitchell why i haven't heard anything like that what has happened to him the lord jesus christ has met and saved him said the minister earnestly with an involuntary glance toward flora ann whose eyes seemed to fairly glow he went to the city some time ago got intoxicated there and quarrelsome and was arrested he spent the night in the lock-up spent two days there in fact it seems a curious place in which to reform but that is exactly what roger did he came in contact with some christian workers who succeeded in making him acquainted with jesus christ the only one who can save he has been true to his word once more and roger is saved that is the story in brief is it not a marvellous thing that the lord can take hold of such wrecks as that and make men of them mr mitchell was absolutely silent he was thinking that there were people who gave up the drink without the help of the lord jesus christ but did it make men of them he had all his life felt bowed down under the weight of his early evil doing he had carried about with him a discouraged disappointed heart and had told himself that he had wrecked not only his own prospects but those of his children and that there was no help for him yet it was years since he had drank a drop of liquor his wife who had not studied his face for a quarter of a century without understanding it knew something of what he was thinking and ventured her timid response to the minister's words but folks do sometimes give up the drink without his doing it for them don't they mr ransom turned toward her in surprise he did not know mr mitchell's story why should she be anxious to emphasize that side of the question there is a sense in which he never does it for them he said that is there is a part which they must do for themselves they must yield their wills to the power which is trying to save them but i question whether a man is ever saved from liquor or from any other evil habit except by the power of jesus christ he may not recognize that power he may not give himself afterward to the service of christ but by so much has he been freed from satan's power if he is freed from the curse of liquor and the only one who is stronger than satan is jesus christ 
then he ought to love Jesus just for that. It was Nina's clear, childlike voice which took up the story. Yes, said the minister emphatically, he ought. He is only half a man who can receive such help as that from the Savior of the world, and yet fail to own it, or to give him thankful service in return. Grandpa wouldn't be such a man as that, would you, Grandpa? Mrs. Mitchell's face flushed, and her eyes took an anxious look, and Stephen's hand trembled so that he almost dropped the cup he was lifting to his lips. None of the rest knew cause for special anxiety, but Mr. Mitchell put out his wrinkled hand and touched tenderly the golden curls clustered around Nina's neck and said not a word. End of chapter 22